I'm going to tell you the story of the journey down the road not taken. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Searching your role? Yes. It takes place in the near future. Scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted. You're gonna have to wear a bulletproof vest. Cease to resist, given my goodbye. Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Katie here in Los Angeles. My usual co-host Luke Taylor of Chicago is currently out filming his feature film Break. It's a fantastic coming-of-age movie centered in Luke's hometown in Canton, Illinois. It's romantic, it's charming, it made me tear up. So if you want to support independent film, please donate to Luke's Patreon. Definitely. Now, with, awesome. Now, with that said, I do have a guest co-host this week. Care to introduce yourself, sir? Sure. Hi, my name is Jake S. Weissman. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you on. What are we watching? What have we watched for today? There was one... When, I was asked to do this. There was one movie that came to mind and I, I passed it up and thought about a bunch of other movies and realized that there's just, I can talk about this movie for hours and hours and hours. I asked you to watch Southland Tales. You certainly did. You certainly did. And uh, I am baffled. I had, uh, again, I feel like a charlatan. I had never heard of this film before and uh, which is interesting considering that I consider myself kind of a grand dom of dumb. Uh, so I, I think that I know my bad movies and I also feel like I know my Kevin Smith and he popped up in this little flick. Yeah, I was watching it and I was thinking, hey, good thing I picked this movie because now it keeps with the theme of me joining during Kevin Smith-esque things. Yeah, I'm glad there's a nice through line for that. <laughs> That's all you can ask for. So you have a bit of a history of this film. Can you care to tell me about that? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite movie going experiences. I went with my uh, best friend, Wesley, uh, when we were in high school. Okay, it, I guess it goes back even further because to talk about this movie, you got to talk about Donnie Darko. This movie yes. is written and directed by Richard Kelly. Uh, when I was 14 years old, um, this is my little hipster thing, but I'm proud to say that I discovered Donnie Darko on my own at 14 and made sure to watch it and it blew my mind and I watched it a lot and a lot and a lot. So as that came along, people, uh, I guess IMDB started talking about Southland Tales, which The Rock hadn't been in that many things. Sean William Scott, Kevin Smith has always been a part of it. And it always had this kind of amorphous log line about set in the near future. It's a musical and it's about something. And I could never, I, it was one of those movies I thought was never going to get made. And then the next thing you know, it's 2007 or something like that. And it got uh, booed at Cannes. It got booed hard. Yeah, like it really they upset They hated people. it. They hated it. And so I still want to see that cut. I feel like, oh man, it, it, that's such a distinction. And um, it made me want to see it more because if people hate it that much, it must, there must be something going on. So it actually came to Burlington, Vermont on some sort of a first run. 
and I made sure that me and Wesley went and saw it. And uh, we snuck in sandwiches and it was me and Wes. Yeah. And one other person. And we watched the film and our minds were blown and it was around, I mean, we'll get more into it, but it was around that beautiful shot of the rock in the car where they um, stick the, they mount the camera on the back of the car and it mm-hmm. drives away and the Moby music is like blaring up and it's kind of windy outside. And I looked at Wes and I said, is this the worst movie ever made? <laughs> this might be like the worst movie. And so we're watching it wondering, is this the worst movie? And Justin Timberlake starts singing the Killers song. Oh, I know. Oh God, and we bless. And what a I moment. <laughs> When, and like, I don't usually like to jump to the gun, but this is really when we looked at each other and said, oh no, this is the greatest movie ever made. And after that, it's just smooth sailing. I think, oh my gosh, like I said, I can talk. That's my history with it. Um, I, there is a book. Um, the movie, I've heard, yeah. <laughs> yes. So this movie is chapters four, five, and six. Oh my God. The book is one, two, and three. So me and Wes both bought the book, devoured it, read it like three times because it's just as dense and stupid and weird as the movie. And it goes on perfectly. And a lot mm-hmm. of like the first 10 minutes of the movie is kind of stuff from the book. And um, I don't have that copy anymore. I lost it. And now when I look on Amazon, it's like 65 bucks to get a copy of this because it's out of print. So Sweet Jesus. It's so awesome. It's so <laughs> excellent. What a what a saga. And I guess when they were building it, there was a lot of website-y stuff, but I never really got into the website-y stuff. So that's my history. I can go from here. But uh, let me know how, how did you end up watching it and what's your experience of viewing Southland Tales? Well, sir, I ended up watching it because you picked it for this podcast. <laughs> and again, I had never even heard of it. And I felt like, again, it took a complete charlatan, a fake of bad moviedom. And also this movie made me feel really stupid because after multiple viewings and listening to that very one guy on YouTube, just the one guy try to break <laughs> down this film, I am more confused than ever. After That's trying awesome. to do the research after delving into it, trying to like be a good co-host, I really made an effort for this podcast. And I like found out about the uh, multiple chapters and everything. It sounds like Richard Kelly was trying to do like a Star Wars thing almost. Yeah, he was. Yep, Okay, definitely. so this was supposed to be like his new hope. And was he thinking that he was gonna go back and do the other chapters later? No, I think it, this was... G- this is his four, five, and just like doing the entire Star Wars trilogy in one go. Sweet God, so much happens in this movie. That's what I was. And like, yeah. It, yeah. Well, here's here's something that I thought was really interesting because it's it's impossible for me to break down this plot because I'm so thoroughly confused. But there are bits and pieces of it that interest me. Yep. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is Krista now. <laughs> Nobody rocks the cock like uh, Krista now. Nobody rocks the cock like Kristen now. So uh, Kristen now is this Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller is uh, in. Oh my gosh! The only other time I've seen her in a role like this, where she was supposed to be like super sexy, was a uh, Cruel Intentions. Those they were like her two roles where she was like gonna try to make it as like a sexy starlet, and both I feel felt amazingly flat. But but in what what interests me is that this her character 
seems to be a, like maybe one of the most 2007 characters that ever there was. <laughs> it, right? It to me like yeah. she's supposed to be like Paris Hilton. Like she's this gal. Paris Hilton meets yeah. like Britney Spears, that whole era of that kind of celebrity. This movie is a 100% a response to the time that it was written through the time that it was made. It's one of the reasons why I love it is because it is a Bush era movie like hell. And now watching it now, it's not like it's that crazy different, you know, but it's super Bush era. It is super Bush era. And it's, it's just like how she imagines herself in her brand and how she's going to branch out and start a revolution as a one woman porn, like machine is reality star, reality energy, star, energy drink, energy pop drink. star, teen horniness is not a crime. Yeah. With it. Oh my gosh. And her friends, her gaggle of friends that follow yep. up. Like it's, it's so of its era Yeah, and it just blows my mind. So her character is really interesting. I think that, um, the, the rocks whole story just confused the ever loving goodness out of me. Of course. So he was an actor who was married to the daughter of the vice president of the Republican Party? He's a senator, senator. and he's kind okay. of like this. Uh, it's Holmes Osborne. He plays Bobby Frost. There's so many names in this movie. So many names. Uh, I was thinking, like, it, it. Well, let's. Okay, let me answer your question. So uh, he's Senator Bobby Frost. He is the Republican nominee. Okay. Uh, for the upcoming election, the 2008 nomination. This movie was going to be set in the distant, distant future. By the time it came out, it was an alternate reality. Uh, it came out in like 2006 or 2007, and the whole movie takes place in 2008. And it's just, yep. it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so uh, Mandy Moore is his daughter. Mm-hmm. She's married to boxer Santeros, who is AKA the, the Rock. Rock? Yeah. AKA Jericho Kane. A- AKA Jericho Co- Cocaine. By the way, that's <laughs> if, if you're listening at home, that's Jericho Space Kane. I never put that together. Like, oh man. That's the oh. thing. This movie has the craziest sense of humor. And Richard Kelly never lets go of like, it never takes itself too seriously. This movie is ridiculous. N- namely, the fact that like, what 40% of it is weird fucking SNL cast members that just show up out of nowhere. Yeah. And and I I, I do think it's really, I do think he was trying to do something genuinely interesting for that. Cause it sounds like what he was going for was that he was blown away by the performances of these kind of like B actors that he didn't think got like a real shot at like different roles. So he was trying to give them a chance to try something different, something fun. And that I respect. I don't think it always works, but I do think the intent behind it is sound. <laughs> yes. This, what I say about Southland Tales every time, and the reason why I love it so much is because it is the most beautiful mess put on film. I think it is never boring. I think it is dense as hell. And if it were a novel, people might be really, really into it. But because it's a movie, it makes no sense. And it makes no sense until literally like the ninth time you watch this movie. 
So, and it's a movie that people can't really penetrate the first couple of times, much less nine. God, so no, and I didn't exactly have the external reading material. I didn't know that there was going to be homework to watch a friggin' movie. I, like, <laughs> I made people watch this movie on my birthday once, and I fell oh, asleep nice. halfway through. And they were like, can we turn this off? And I woke up and said, no, you have to watch it. And then went back to sleep. It was Good ridiculous. Stuff. This is, that's the thing is I introduced this movie to a lot of people and almost nobody likes it, which is one of the reasons why I keep introducing it to people because maybe someone out there will like, just get it. They'll just get Southland Tales. And it's well, fun to talk about. Well, don't you have that connection with your friend? Like, isn't that one of the most like the beautiful points yeah. of your friendship is that, is that you guys get it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have found that one person who gets true. this movie as much as you do. I'm very excited to send Wesley this uh, podcast because he's going to be the one that really appreciates it. I'm yeah, hoping shout people out <laughs> shout out to Wesley. Woo. Uh, I hope um, other people listen to this and really want to get a, a taste for it because it's 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 crazy. It is a real bonkers kind of a movie. But anyway, so I want to get back to, to Jericho Kane, a.k.a. Boxer Santeros, a.k.a. Okay. The Rock. So he was married to Mandy Moore, but yeah. then he got amnesia because he went through a fourth dimension time portal and traveled back in time 40, sorry, 60 something minutes and then ended up with Krista now who was trying to manipulate him into thinking that he wrote her screenplay that explains the end of the universe because this movie's a retelling of the book of Revelation. <laughs> Am, am I am I close? You are so close. You are so okay. close. The only step that you're missing is that after they go through the fourth dimension, it creates a double of yourself. And right. two Where is souls, double? two, that's the body that Kevin Smith shows him that looks right. nothing like okay. the rock. So it's really confusing because I didn't know until like the fourth time I watched the movie that that was supposed to be the rock anyway, like the, oh the, the charred up corpse of the rock. And they explain more of it in the book, of course. But yeah. And so Ronald and Roland are actually the same guy. And that I got. Two, that I got. Two souls. Twins. They're the same yeah. guy. Two souls cannot walk on the earth together. And so they decide to collapse the fourth dimension because they're pimps or something and, yeah. to that effect. But you really got it. Like suicide. That's right. As The Rock so beautifully puts it at That's right. one of the points of this movie. And that makes no earthly sense whatsoever. No. But but what they're referring to, like that the world ends because the two Sean William Scotts shake hands in an ice cream truck that's floating in the sky. Right? Yes, it's the best. Uh-huh. It's so nuts. I I gotta tell you, man, I was walking around like just shouting at people. I was like, have you seen this movie? (laughs) Somebody talked to me about it. I am so giddy about this. It is so funny. (laughs) So funny to me. Cause I get it. I mean, Justin Timberlake narrates the thing. Um, and I yeah. guess I guess he narrated the whole thing in a real irreverent kind of a way. And then it didn't work during the screening. So they had him re-record the entire thing. And he plays an actor who's like one of the most famous actors in the world, along with Boxer Santeros. But they have nothing to do with each other. And he and Sean William Scott were in Fallujah together. And Sean William Scott shot uh, Justin Timberlake. And so... That's why Roland's like can't forgive himself and stuff like that. And by the end, he's like, I forgive you. You can you can let yourself go. You can let it go now. 
Um, okay. And Isn't pilot, that and that's why. Oh, that's also why Justin Timberlake says "my best friend" out of nowhere. Um, nowhere, at the end absolutely. Of the movie. And you nowhere. see Danny Garofalo just kind of partying because they cut yeah. a scene. <laughs> so there's the one shot of Danny Garofalo and Justin Timberlake together. Um, so that's kind of what that's supposed to be about. That's the background is that they were in Fallujah together and then they both got sent back. But Roland, Sean William Scott was the rocks escort through the fourth dimension and he didn't die. And I guess uh, Bai Ling killed the rock, but they, they managed to not kill Sean William Scott. Sweet Christ. I did not get any of that from watching this movie twice. Oh, uh, I'm glad I can I add did. something. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I did like okay. Also, when the Sean William Scotts are shaking hands in forgiveness for like the end of the universe finale yes. in the ice cream truck in the sky, uh, he's able to talk to Abilene, the pilot played by Justin Timberlake, because they're both on this drug called Fluid Karma, correct? And that makes them psychically linked. I never put that together, but that's cool. Really. I bet that okay, I'm sure I'm you're so right. I'm so confused really cool. by the fluid karma. Okay, I can explain fluid karma. I, what doesn't hey, make sense. Do. Okay, so fluid karma is, how do I begin this? How do I start? Because, so there's uh, Wallace Shawn, <laughs> who's yeah. create, basically created a perpetual motion machine. He's mimicked mm -hmm. the, the, the waves of the ocean, which is a perpetual motion machine, and has figured out a way to make basically like oil and uh, fossil fuels. Um, you don't need them anymore. So it, it, it's this beam that gets put out uh, through the sky that runs cars, it runs mega zeppelins it runs uh everything that needs energy basically so it's a brand new way of uh living life and so while sean and his family uh which includes booger and uh the the woman from poltergeist and yep that that sure is her yeah and uh what's uh i wish i could remember her name but she's in donnie darko and she's the best um beth grant and so uh that's this they become bajillionaires from this. Uh, and I guess, side note, you can inject it into your body and that will make you have a crazy drug trip that they never really quite explain. Um, yes, and there's different levels of it apparently which are illuminated in the ex extra material in the book. Like that that's when, so when Justin Timberlake is talking to that guy in the do-rag who I guess is supposed to be the angel of death, his name is because uh, he shoots Balfour. Yes, him. <laughs> Lou Taylor Pucci. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so, um, gosh, and he's talking to him about like uh, something like orange and all these different colors, but then he's like, the red is the best of this particular thing that you can inject inside your person, and then he does the the killer's number. It's yeah. it's a whole thing. It's really and I guess wow this. And the angel of death is the son of the plastic surgeon that fixed up Justin Timberlake's face. And then he gets drafted, this Keith Alver kid, and mm -hmm. wants to kill himself. And Sean William Scott finds him and they spend the rest of the movie together. And uh, what's his face ends up on the ice cream truck with uh, yeah. Keith Alver ends up on the ice cream truck with a bazooka. Man, this is so weird. It's hard to talk about this movie, man. It's, you can't go in a straight line. It really line. is. 
<laughs> no, well, because I'm just trying to figure out what I saw. Like, like it you got really, a great idea. Podcast is just me yelling at you and being like, "Did that happen? Am I close? Did that I, car I just fuck that I, other car?" It that sure did happen. I. It's just it. it so many things just got flown in my face at once that it's hard to keep track of. Like at one point, Sarah Michelle Geller says this line that's so what, where she says something like the future, scientists say the future is going to be more futuristic than they originally thought. Yeah. Which yeah. that just hangs for a moment. Yeah. And oh man, just the trying to pick up the pieces. But so there's <laughs> Marxists. Is Sean William Scott a Marxist? No, he is no, not. They're separate. He's been abducted by the the Marxists. I see. Okay, Both cool. of them. One of them, I can't remember. What, I think the double is the one that they're trying to be the racist cop that doesn't know what the fuck and hasn't had a bowel movement in six days. And mm -hmm. the other one is the real one that went through the portal who's pretty much just gets the shit kicked out of him through the entire movie. He's passed out in the beginning they wake him up and he's all drugged out he jumps into a fucking dumpster stays in the dumpster till nighttime gets up walks to the ice cream guy where it's who is that uh peter weller or is it i always get him confused i always get uh robocop and and fucking highlander confused but um know, it's, it's one of those guys and uh he fucking knocks him out cold so they'd and then it isn't until the ATM machine careens with the ice cream truck and the two Sean William Scotts meet each other that that actually happens. And that's when the revolution is actually in full swing. Okay. Wow. So, so again, this movie is very dense and it has a lot of <laughs> extra material that requires some studying to get the full picture of what you're watching. But from what I gathered, again, this movie is like a retelling of the Book of Revelation. Yep. And Sean William Scott is supposed to be the, is Jesus essentially. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman with the bazooka is the angel of death riding on the horse that is the ice cream truck in this sense. Yeah. And uh, gosh, so is the rock? No, no. Kristen now is a prophet. Yeah. Right? I think so. And what does that make the rock? Cause he's set up to be Jesus, but he's Sean William Scott is Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what is no, he? No, I think it's explained in the book, but that's not a good oh answer. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know what he represents. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know the book of revelations. I'm pretty Jewish and I didn't read that. Um, and I know about it, what I know about it. The thing about the book is that there's this really excellent, I remember it's like, I don't know if it's two, four pages of Richard Kelly basically explaining everything that you just said and breaking it down and saying that it's the book of revelations. And that was his intention. And it's also this like crazy social satire at the same time. So it's just mixing an ungodly amount of things with an ungodly amount of things and just trying to sort it out. And I don't, and he is not um, successful uh, whatsoever, but I think there's a lot of, advantage though just watching it over and over again because you oh i always pick up new stuff always every time 
it's definitely a hot, hot mess, but, but there is a lot <laughs> of things to like pick apart and I can understand how you could get more out of it through multiple viewings. So I do think it's, it would be fascinating to watch with a group of people to try to have a discussion about. I do feel like it's almost like a book club movie. Yeah, like yeah. I need, I need to talk to other people about it because I felt like I was going crazy just going up to various folks and being like, somebody please watch this. And they're like, but everything you're saying makes us not want to watch this. I'm like, I know, but I, I just need other people to see it so I can make sense of what just happened. But um, man, it yeah, it's really something. I also heard, I actually did find one other person who has seen this movie before, who told me about it before this podcast and I promptly forgot about it. Nice. And it's, uh, and he told me, yeah, I know. It's, I felt really bad about it, but he no, was but like, shout out to like that dude. this is apparently, yeah, shout out to Andy. So he <laughs> was telling me that Southland Tales, well, because originally Richard Kelly was trying to write just a straight satire of Los Angeles culture. Uh-huh. And, but then a little something happened. A little something called 9-11. And according to Andy, that made, that blew Richard Kelly's mind. Yeah. Like everybody was impacted by 9-11 in their own way, but Richard Kelly, it really destroyed him. Like he could not fathom how a tragedy on a scale like that could possibly happen. And because of that, he tried to inject so many thoughts and feelings into this picture that it eventually became bloated and incomprehensible. That's his take on it, that the reason why this doesn't make any sense is because Richard Kelly was trying to get through his own warning in regards to 9-11. Andy, I think that is 100% apt. I think that's a cool answer. I think, I mean... Uh, that is the thing. It's it's Bush era. It's very in response to 9-11. I mean, the whole movie starts. I think that sequence at the beginning is probably my favorite part of the entire movie. Um, just because that's the kind of thing I like. And it gets you. If you don't know uh, what this movie is, I just watched it with my roommate and she had no idea what it was. Um, this is my 4th of July tradition. I watch this movie every 4th of July um, and try not to watch it more than that, but I managed to because I watched it this morning. Um, And she (laughs) had no idea what to expect. And then you see a giant, you know, point of view of, of uh, uh, an A-bomb going off in Texas. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. just some crazy stuff to get in. And then like 10 minutes of weird throwing exposition at you, like nobody's business, just a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense with pictures and, videos and hustler and bud light sponsoring world war three in four different countries it's there's oh my gosh and yeah i mean the first 10 minutes of this movie are basically richard kelly throwing his book that you were supposed to read at your head and i guess the can version didn't have that which i can't imagine watching i can't even imagine without that but it got me like that's when i watched this with wes it was that party boom and then exposition where I was like, oh my God, I just want to know more. Just give me more. There's so, it's, oh my gosh. Cock chugging. Yep. I know. It's definitely meant to be a very American movie. And I do think it's really interesting to think about in the sense that of a, of a morning piece, like mm-hmm. when somebody is trying to get through something and this is what they have to give to the world. Like usually like, we talk about like breakup movies and how those can either be really good or just terrible. But this was trying to deal with like a global or na- or national, like a 
an event, a big global national. Right. I'm sorry, I'm muttering over my words, but but you know what I'm oh, saying. Totally like a big tragedy like 9/11. Well, it's 9/11 plus the Patriot Act plus what was going on with Bush and you know like and the Iraq War. It's all very present for the time and uh, our our constant need for oil like that's all we talked about in the 2000s i feel like like it's i mean when i was a uh, I was a freshman in high school when bush came in and a senior in college when bush was out so like the whole thing this whole movie becomes this weird nostalgia kind of like what we were talking about with jersey girl but in a little different way where it's like it doesn't put me there but it's this weird reflection of a time that was very vivid in my head and uh and and obviously he was really trying to figure some stuff out and it's a dense piece of work there's so many things going on and a hundred name actors playing characters that they would never play any other time and I know that the actors have no idea what they're doing either. Like if you, I, if you listen to the making of or watch the making of, none of them have no idea what the movie is about. Um, Justin Timberlake still has no idea what this movie is about. Word. And like they, some of the scenes, like that one scene with Sean William Scott and Will Sasso, they mm -hmm. look like, like uh, Richard Kelly directed them differently. Like they're in two different scenes, but in the same scene, it's a really strange, there's just weird choices across the board. There's Eli Roth getting shot on a toilet. Yeah. Um, Apparently Marilyn uh, Manson, like he, that's all he wanted to talk about when he ran into Eli Roth was like, Hey man, wow. how about that? Wow. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's interesting to hear the actors talk about it because um, like, Gosh, I'm trying to, who is the, Sarah Michelle Gellar and The Rock, when I have saw an interview with them where they seem so convinced that this is an art house masterpiece. Yeah. And I am just so blown away by that, that <laughs> I, I feel like they think that they're in a different movie than they are. Well, I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar, have you seen her do something as satirical as this before? Like, it's pretty self-aware for her. I don't think that she's as, it may be flat, but it's also like, I'm pretty sure she's aware of what she's doing, right? Well, they call her character the thinking man's porn star, which I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I do think Kristen now, again, just seems like a gigantic parody of uh, Paris Hilton and everything that was going on with like sex tapes, bringing people to celebrity at that time. Sure. It, it reminds, her whole character reminds me of that episode of South Park that, stupid spoiled horror video playset. <laughs> that's that's what her whole character reminds me of is just how people were reacting to Paris Hilton at that time. Yeah. So I don't think that it's really saying anything deep. It's just pointing at something and being like, this is a thing that is happening. And there's some merit to that, but it, it's give me something else. But Comment also, on it. she's kind of, I mean, as a character, you're right. Comment on it. There's nothing being commented. You're right. I will absolutely, you're right. Uh, but by the end, she does give the footage to the neo-Marxists and is end up working with uh, Baron von Westphalen or whatever, who's funding mm -hmm. the, the whole revolution. Yeah. So she, as a character, at least, while she plays this kind of vapid, you know, she's not that whatever. Like you said, a thinking man's porn star or whatever they tried to do with her. She ends up being instrumental in the turning of the revolution, which is kind of interesting to me. Mm.
but it's also like there are things about it that really bother me like the basic uh 69 only meant one thing to her and just like there's a lot of 69 throughout the movie like her channel is 1069 i noticed and it's like just kind of bat you over the head with some of it in the there's so much 12 year old boy humor throughout the entirety of this movie and sometimes it works and sometimes it super doesn't yes 100 percent. i yeah (laughs) because and he does that like he there are parts of Donnie Darko that sound like um, Kevin Smith reject scenes, you know, when they're talking about the Smurfs and shit like that. So, yeah, and that's what I've heard. Uh, I've heard stories about like Richard Kelly, when he wrote Donnie Darko, it was just this tome of papers that made not that much sense. And then he and the producers kind of worked it into a screenplay together, you know? And, yeah, um, I have heard that. I yeah. also heard that Kevin Smith, what did he say? He said something like Richard Kelly given the right training could be the next Christopher Nolan. I, that's, that's high praise. Yeah, uh, I thought so. That's high praise considering how I, I don't know if Donnie Darko holds up as much. This is mm-hmm. a, is a, in its own sphere for me, this movie is its own beast. So I'll always mm-hmm. love it. And the box is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So, and he hasn't done anything since then. So I don't know what his deal is. I don't, where is he? Where's Richard Kelly? Tell me. That's worth looking into. If he ever does, if he does do another one, I definitely want to talk about it with you. Okay. It's now a, that we've it's gone down this rabbit hole, awesome. I'm, I'm I'm about to watch the box again. Cause maybe I missed something. Like that's the <laughs> thing is it, it, sometimes it's so bad, but if it's, if it's interesting, I'll take it because nothing is more egregious than boring. And yes, I will I give him this. Yeah, I, I will do. take a bad movie over a boring movie. I do respect Richard Kelly for at least trying. He tried something different. I don't think it worked at all. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I will, I could watch this movie outside of you church, uh, Sherpa-ing me through it ever again but i god damn it i respect him i i yeah. do think that he worked something out publicly put it on the line and people react to it very poorly and he had to live with that and i guess the other part that we haven't really talked about we sort of have is that this is the follow-up to donnie darko so mm-hmm. they gave him a bunch of money and said oh, yeah, Do your thing. you know what i'm saying like Donnie Darko was a hit. It's a smash. Your next thing's going to be even bigger. Like it's almost heaven's gate in proportion. Not the fact that he like, he didn't like take advantage of, but the fact that like, um, you know, everyone watched the deer hunter and they were like, whatever's next is going to be the best fucking thing ever made. And then he ended Mm -hmm. up like just taking all the money and making heaven's gate, uh, but like Richard Kelly, I'm sure he's a great businessman and whatever, but like he took a lot of good faith from a lot of good producers that were like, fucking down with Donnie Darko and threw out this fucking two and a half hour. What the fuck movie. And I, again, I like you respect the hell out of them. And the movie is fun as shit for me, but I so 100% understand people that hate this movie. I know why people hate this movie. And I couldn't think of any other movie that would just, I feel quite this way about. So I'm really glad I could introduce you to it. I was really glad you hadn't heard of it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, uh, 
So since you're such a fan, I, as a recommendation to those who might be interested in seeing it, what conditions do you think are perfect to see Southland Tales? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what do you mean by that? <laughs> like, do you think that they should watch it themselves um, and go into it completely blind? Should they do some research oh, beforehand? Don't get research. Absolutely. No research. Um, go into it cold. Watch it cold if you don't know anything about it. I mean, if you've listened to this already, then, then you have that much. It's kind of like, you, but trying to, uh, if you don't know the movie, you're going to listen to this and try and understand what we're trying to, what we're kind of back and forthing here. Because mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what this is going to sound like to somebody who's never seen this movie. Um, and that's why I was giggling the entire time because it's out of control. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't, if you, if you can help it, and and watch it with somebody that's never heard of it too, and mm -hmm. and 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 grit your teeth through it because it's hard at first. For me, you know, like I said, it it took a second to be like, I think, I think this is a big letdown, and I think everybody's awful, and this is a really terrible, terrible, terrible movie. And then it's like, no, no there's just something else going on. There's this other plane. It's the same. Um, I know how many people fucking hate those matrix sequels, but I really like those matrix sequels for the same reason where it's like just this heavenly mess. The, th the reason why I like this kind of more is that it doesn't take itself as seriously. Matrix is like biblical. So um, <laughs> this is biblical too. I mean, this is biblical, but also like nobody rocks the cock like Krista now. Yeah, that we is have true. a that... nice apocalypse. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. the whole, the, all the poetry Dance sequence, just like not with a wh uh, whimper, but with a bang and, and miles to go before you sleep and miles to go before you sleep, just like mm -hmm. throwing these poetry lines and these Bible quotes. And it's so up its own ass in the greatest way. Um, and, and then, you know, John Lovitz comes out of nowhere with white hair and the most yeah. chilling performance. So it's, you know, I don't know. Go blind with a friend. Yeah, watch it with a friend. Um, have an open mind. I just have an open mind with it. Try and get to the end, and if you if you can, but uh, you know, know that if you can't, it's not that it's you. It's the film. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I had so much fun discussing this with you. Thank you so much for introducing me to this film. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a ball. Absolutely. And so I have been Katie Grotzinger here in Los Angeles. And I have been Jake S. Weissman in Chicago. Fantastic. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Cease to resist.